you know, it's funny about this this restaurant. I stopped working there because it burned down. Oh, were you there? No, okay. but I closed the night that it burned down. Hello. And welcome to the latest episode of the Bad Times Good Stories Podcast. My name is Joe Flanders, and I am super excited to have you here today as I talk with Jeremiah Watkins, who's a really awesome, talented, amazing, fantastic comedian. Um, He performs regularly in L.A. and elsewhere. You can catch him at the Comedy Store all the time. Uh, He's also a regular on Kill Tony. He also has his own podcast called Jeremiah Wonders. Great stuff. And we are talking about the shitty jobs that he had growing up. Uh, and we laughed a lot talking about it. From a, uh Italian restaurant where he was uh, yelled at by his boss for something pretty ridiculous. To a car wash and Starbucks and even some good times doing morning radio as a 19-year-old, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, it's a great conversation with Jeremiah. I appreciate him coming on. If you enjoy the episode, feel free to rate it on iTunes. Give us that five stars. That would be greatly appreciated. You can also email me at badtimesgoodstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Share some of your bad times that hopefully made for good stories, and I may just read it on the air. Lastly, you can check out badtimesgoodstoriespod.com for past episodes, merch, and a link to the Patreon page. I really appreciate anything you can throw my way if you enjoy the show, even if it's just the equivalent of a cup of coffee or, uh, hell, even one of those new 99-cent Taco Bell burritos, which I totally haven't tried, and they're totally not awesome. Uh, But that's all I've got for now, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Jeremiah Watkins. Have you ever won one of those food challenge things? Oh, Got a t-shirt or the or your face on the wall or anything right? like that? Yeah. I haven't. I, I strive to. I think that, you know, if that's all I'm remembered for for my entire life, I think I could be happy with that. There's some people out there that that's their biggest accolade. Right. Exactly. Is making the wall on a restaurant. <laughs> Yikes. I did make it on the wall in high school for never allowed to come back. What'd you do? Dine and dash. Just, in high school? Yeah. <laughs> bad boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, I walked out on a $3.50 tab. Yeah, it dude. was a fucking Chinese buffet. That's it so was funny. like $8. It was such a. You're like, idiot. I took an extra milk carton because <laughs> yeah. you know how I get down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the guy actually, I was leaving with a couple of friends. It was like near the high school, and uh, he actually tra- like ran after us, and my friends were like, Sprinters. That's like the only place where they're probably allowed to do that. Right. Run after you. (laughs) It's like in every other business scenario, they're like, do not, do not chase after them. Your safety is more important. But in a school environment, they're like, no, you need to teach this kid a lesson. Yeah, this punk ass. So yeah, my friends just booked it because they were on the track team and I looked like this. So it was just, you know, easy. And uh, yeah, they like, he dragged me back. I mean, not like by the, I wasn't, 
you know, but yeah, he like shoved me back into the restaurant and then took a Polaroid of me. Whoa. And, uh, and that was like my sophomore year. That was like the hangout spot. So I tried to sneak in a couple times. <laughs> no. You're, so you were banned after yeah. sophomore year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That could have changed the trajectory of your life, man. I know, man. Like, seriously. One time a girl asked me if I wanted to, like, that I was into, asked if I wanted to go to the restaurant after school, and I had to be like, you're like, I'm banned there, baby. <laughs> yeah. We got to go out by the flagpole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make any moves on this guy. <laughs> yeah, we can We can just go to the Wendy's, if that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. No? Okay. I'll okay. never talk to you again. Perfect. Yeah. So, So that's the only wall I'm on. Uh, how about you? <laughs> I mean, technically, the only wall that I'm on is uh at the comedy store. I'm on the wall at the comedy store. I mean, I'd say that that is fairly more significant than my wall experience. I mean, it Just definitely barely. it definitely was harder to get my name on that wall than than to walk out of a restaurant for sure. Yeah. Wow. When did that happen? Uh, in 2016, damn. Yeah. In September 2016 is whenever it actually went on. So, how long have you been performing there? Uh, I've been there since July of 2011. Every like every week since then. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. Going every <laughs> week and hitting it hard. Damn, dude. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. I had to had to feel good. Oh I man. Imagine one of the uh, one of the. Biggest accomplishments that I've uh, <laughs> completed. It's it was very very hard. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, when did you start performing with Kill Tony and all that? I think that was probably I want to say two two and a half years ago. Uh, some of the early episodes. I've been buddies with Tony for a long time, so I was like in w- one of the first episodes as a as a panel guest. Okay, and. Then, like, I would guess they used to have this thing, uh, this character called the Iron Patriot that was on way before the Kill Tony band, where it was this guy who literally dressed in head to toe in full, like, movie quality Iron Patriot garb. <laughs> That's awesome. And he was the security guard for the show. Um, <laughs> and he had a little falling out with the show. So they started putting people in this Target Iron Patriot outfit that was just like these little gloves and lights and like a, a little voice modulator. Yeah. Like, <laughs> clipped to a belt, like a Fisher Price kind of <laughs> Radio Shack kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh they would rotate that Iron Patriot every week. So I did that a couple times and then eventually uh the band came later with like Pat Reagan and Joel then Joel Jimenez, then Chris yeah. Dillon and yeah. Right on. Yeah. Uh for the audience who may not know, how would you kind of describe to Kill Tony? It's like a it's not an open mic. I mean I guess it is because you sign up for spots, right? In a way, yeah. It's I would I I consider it very much a variety show because there's so many elements to what's going on. But comedians, basically, they put their name in a bucket. Whenever they get randomly drawn, they have 60 seconds to perform in front of a panel of comedians. And then I'm in the band. It's like a late night band, but we commit to different characters every single week. And, uh, you know, depending on how well the comedian does or how bad they do, heavily affects how the interview goes after after the the set. Okay, cool. And then where where can people find that? Is it just Kill Tony podcast? Or Type it on YouTube, YouTube? yeah. Uh, go to killtony.tv, and that has all the episodes from episode one to episode 313, or wow. however many we've done so far. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like you're killing it now, but uh, you mentioned that that wasn't necessarily always the case, and maybe you've had some 
shitty jobs. Oh yeah, oh, growing for up. Sure, or, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whenever I lived in Kansas, that's where I'm, I'm from. Okay. I had a, a string of bad jobs, and then uh, whenever I I moved out here to California, I worked at Starbucks for two and a half years before I started like being able to fully do the comedy do the comedy yeah and uh but the first one of the first jobs that i had that was just i remember the super just super cringy moment where my uncle had gotten me a job it was my first job at this uh this all men's golf course no women were allowed that was (laughs) (laughs) that was that, that was that was part of the uh of the program is so you wouldn't see any women anywhere and it, this is Kansas, like kind of in the middle of nowhere. This is like far out, like southern Kansas. So it was like almost like a whites only club. Like I rarely saw black people there sure. or any like there's like some groundskeepers who were Hispanic or whatever. But it was pretty much a whites only club. Wow. Like, uh, and it's kind of still I don't know if that's still how it is today, if that's still the policy. I think it is. I think it's just like an old school like. It's a boys' club. Was this an unwritten thing, or does it actually say like no, no, no well, women allowed? I don't know if they are allowed <laughs> right. to do that, but tech, like I don't know the wordage or however sure. they can get around it. Mm-hmm. But there was no women allowed. Wow. Okay. Like there, you're like the wives were like I think they would were allowed out there for like special holiday dinners maybe or something sure. like that. Yeah. But as far as play, you never saw a woman on the golf course. Wow. Okay. So my uncle had gotten me this job. He is, uh, he's like a, an amateur golfer. He's like competed like semi pro, like won a ton of tournaments. Okay. Has a lot of accolades in golf. Sure. So he got me this job. I'm wanting to make sure I, you know, fit yeah, in there's there. a lot of pressure there. There's kind of <laughs> a lot of pressure. And it's my first job. Uh, so what were where, you like 16, 15? Yeah, like 15, 16 okay. around there. Uh, and I was basically, uh, I would, caddy for like on foot um like no golf carts oh god uh and i would do it for you know nine holes sometimes 18 holes sometimes and if you don't know anything about golf it's a lot of it's a lot of mileage on your feet yeah and (laughs) without a golf cart it's very hard like especially like in the midst of like summertime and stuff like that and being 16 like i'm weak like i'm not sure. like fully <laughs> yeah developed i'm carrying these like giant golf clubs and everything and uh i remember this one moment where it was like 6 30 a.m on a saturday morning i was pumped that somebody had picked me to caddy and they knew my uncle personally and on the first hole before we even go down is this really steep hill right yeah and I'm walking down with giant bag of clubs. And as soon as I start walking down the hill, I slip and like literally go completely midair where I'm completely parallel to the ground. Like, and the clubs are just like, (laughs) just like falling. (laughs) And I slam down on the hill. And it was one of those moments where everybody turned and looked and went, Ooh, (laughs) and the guy who was going to hire me, he's like, he's like, hey kid, it's uh, it's okay if you don't want to to caddy today. And this was the first hole because oh, he saw like I landed, the bag went underneath my back, and I landed on the bag. Yeah, and I was like, no, it's it's okay, I can do it. Just like in the back of my mind, just being like, 
my uncle's going to hear about this. And he, he literally heard about it within minutes. Like <laughs> by, by the time I had gotten to the ninth hole and like, that was like the, the middle point. Right. He's like, uh, heard you took a spill in the first yeah. hole. <laughs> like everybody like knew each other's business. You hear about club. the caddy that busted his ass? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I, I powered through it and, uh, I, I did it and I, I made the haver much money. Like it, did it pay for well? or whatever? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For I'm a like, 15 year old, I guess. Yeah. For a 15 year old, it was like, this is good money. And <laughs> yeah, then Alec yeah. Mag is like, ah, that wasn't that great. Yeah. I think it's like a fundamental flaw in the, in the golf system, which is that the weakest people are also the youngest generally. And they're the ones carrying the like, oh, yeah. You know, what, I mean, what would a bag uh, weigh, you think? Like 40 pounds or something? Probably. Yeah. But like, if you don't have, like, some of the bags don't have, proper straps they have pretty bad straps so you're weighing like 50 pounds or so while walking on one shoulder and you can kind of put it on the other shoulder and but like the professional caddies i think have like uh, you know the cross right whatever for support for you to to carry a bunch of weight yeah yeah you know but you know as a teenager you're just like lugging it along and then this shoulder's going dead after a while and then you're like okay i guess i gotta switch this this other shoulder and then that one's going dead and then you're trying to like just switch it back and forth yeah it's a mess wow how long did you do that i did that like i think I think less than a year. Sure. I went to this uh, Italian restaurant afterwards. Yeah. That uh, that was a pretty good job, but the the boss at that job would. Uh, it was a very authentic Italian restaurant. The food was really good there, and this guy had like this strong like Italian temper. Mm-hmm. Like if things didn't. <laughs> Happen the way, yeah. Yeah, things didn't line up the way that he exactly wanted them. Right. And he would get drunk by the end of the night. Like, he would, he'd be one of those guys who he's really fun to be around. Like, while the night's going on, he'd drink with the customers. Hey, how's everybody doing over here? You doing good? Good, good. All good stuff. But by the end of the night, he'd been drinking all night. So, like, whenever we're cleaning up and stuff, he'd be like, you didn't do this earlier in the night. And you're like, oh, I'm 16. I'm trying to, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll do better. I'll do better. And uh, there's this, this time where um, we would hide this uh, little statue, the chef. We hide the chef around this restaurant. And if the kid could spot it, um, they would get a free chocolate chip cookie. It was like this little gimmicky thing. Sure, yeah. And I forgot to move the chef one of the times. Yeah. And he just went off on me because this, <laughs> this little girl, he pulled me aside. He goes, he goes, uh, Jeremiah, can I talk to you for a second? I uh, had this little girl come in today, and uh, I asked her if she knew where the chef was. And she goes, oh, yeah, I know where it is. They don't really move it around here very much. It's right there. And he's like, oh, okay. He goes, do you know anything about this? <laughs> like, like very, very like mob-like. And I'm like, uh, uh, I might have forgotten to move it. And the, he like slams his like like fist on the counter. He's like, how many times do I got to tell you to move the chef? And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, I remember moving. Like, Seriously, this is a bigger deal than you're making out of it. The kids come in here. They want to get their cookies. Move the chef to a different spot. It's not that hard. And I'm just like shaking. Like as a teenager, whenever you get yelled at like that, it's like 
really damaging. Well, yeah, especially by a, like a deranged, angry, alcoholic Italian man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who like you saw thirty minutes ago, like be the it nicest up. guy. Well, he was the nicest guy until the end of the night. It, right. it was like werewolf, like. Like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. <laughs> Are my legs about to be broken like <laughs> casino style right now? What's happening? Yeah, that oh, there's always some, I always love moments like that where the intensity matches a casino moment. Oh, dude. But the actual subject is absurd. Dude, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like I'm making salads and running like like bussing tables and stuff. Like the yeah. setup was very low stakes because yeah. they ordered at the counter of this Italian restaurant and then okay. you would take it to them. Yeah. And you know you would give them their drinks and and you'd bus and do all this stuff, but like how big was the? I mean, I can only really imagine there's always so many places for a miniature chef to go. Dude, like, I'm. It's not a huge <laughs> restaurant. Like like, and he would want to see it creative. You know, put it on like get up on a ladder and put it in different sure. places. Sure. Yeah, I get it. Nice family though. Very nice. Oh, family. I'm sure. And I don't mean to say he's a raging alcoholic, but it sounds like he's just got. No, I, uh, I caught him in some bad moments. Okay. Yeah. 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 Any others you want to share? Well, so you <laughs> know what's that? funny about this this restaurant is I stopped working there because it burned down. Oh, shit. Yeah. Were you there? No, okay. but I closed the night that it burned down. Oh, so wow. they asked me, like, what happened? <laughs> oh, God. Because <laughs> me and another guy were the ones who closed it. But they found that the cause of the fire was something happened where there's a short in the digital cash register. It's like an old cash register. Yeah. It literally started sparking and shooting out flames. And then it just went up the wall and it burned down almost the entire restaurant. So I went to uh, school and I'm scheduled to work that day. Yeah. And uh, I had a buddy. uh, I was like, hey, Watkins, I heard your job burned down. I was like... What is that? What are you talking about? Right, yeah. My job burned down. He goes, I saw it on the news last night. I was like, what are you talking about? They're yeah. like, where you work? That Italian restaurant. You work here, right? It's like, yeah. He goes, yeah, there was a fire there last night. It's gone. And I'm like, what? No way. And I drive by there after work. Windows are all boarded up. Uh, I don't have the contact number. Like, I only have the restaurant's phone number. Right, you don't have like a... I don't have... <coughs> I'm not friends with anybody outside of work where I have their cell phone number. Also, at this time, I don't even know if I had a cell phone number because sure. I was like 17 at the time. Right. And I didn't get my cell phone until I was like maybe 18, 17 or 18. Yeah. Like th- that was like when only like the like the really privileged kids in high school had cell phones and I was just like, ah, I don't really need a cell phone. Exactly. And I got that flip <laughs> phone and I was like, I'm freaking balling around here. That yeah. T-Mobile sidekick. <laughs> oh, you're the sidekick. Yeah. I had the Razor. Yeah. Know. Oh, my buddy had a Razor. Yeah. First I had a Nokia flip phone and then I upgraded later to the sidekick. Nice. Which yeah. one did you prefer? Uh, the sidekick, man, <laughs> dude. It's like the switchblade of phones. Like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah, it really was. Hey, do we got a problem here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so at that job, so because of that situation, they didn't get a hold of me for months. Really? For months. So I just literally lost my job overnight. Wow. And they said that all of the, the, like the, the books and a lot of their recipes and stuff actually burned up in that fire. And they met with me months later and they had to give me like loss of wages checks because it's like unlawful for a company to just drop you like that. Yeah. And they, they, you know, it was just a freak accident kind of thing. So they just gave me a few checks and they're like, do you want to come back to work here? And I'm like, 
I'm working at this car wash <laughs> now, so and I'm actually making a little bit better money. And <laughs> and so I was just thinking awesome. to myself, like, and I don't get yelled at <laughs> that often. I do occasionally, but not like like rage filled like that. <laughs> That's not. Did you ever since you closed the night before? Did you ever have to like? Was there ever any report filed or anything? And you had to like answer no, questions. No, I or just anything? got like uh, like down the line. They asked me about it but it was one of those things where the firemen like they they see causes of fire so right. much that they're like ah we think it happened at this time of night and that was hours after sure. we had already left and yeah. they're like it's the register for sure you had a short in this register so it's just one of those things where i happen to be the guy with yeah. the other guy who closed but boy that's good that they had like such a definitive like understanding of what happened so then nobody was like looking. Oh yeah, like weird. trying to pin the crime <laughs> yeah. on a seventeen-year-old Jeremiah, and then while oh, meanwhile in the background he's like, "I told you to move the chef. Yeah. What are you doing, huh? I'm pinning this all on you, all because you didn't move the, the freaking chef. You that little girl needed that cookie, and you let her down. Now you're gonna be in bars for life, for life. I tell you." Yeah, yeah. Or if he was just like doing, so, he's just decided he was so angry that he was like gonna do, pull a not a double indemnity, but yeah, burn the place down for insurance money and pin it all on the kid. Yeah, you know. And I pull a double jeopardy once it opens back up. <laughs> yeah. Once I get out of out of jail, and I do burn it down this time. But I'm like, it can't already. I can't be guilty of the same crime twice, but they're like, well, that's different because this building exists again. It's not a person. I'm like, oh, I'm going back to jail. And they're like, yes, you are. I'm like, no. Yeah, I love that Shit. movie. Double Jeopardy. Right? Classic. Oh, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> what I was just watching Face Off the other day. Dude. Oh, I love that movie. It's so great in the sense that it sounds like the pitch to me was created by like two stoners at three in the morning yeah 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 like they were watching i don't know leaving las vegas or some other movie that had nick cage in it and then they were like oh there's john travolta like you know it was just like what if his face was on his face yeah my buddy uh, made a movie about it my buddy eric has this company called uh meth syndicate where he makes like funny t-shirts and stuff and he's got these custom i think he sells them they're they're these custom slip-on vans Mm -hmm. that are the two faces of John Travolta and Nicolas Cage on each on a shoe. Like they're it's literally side by side. Whenever you put your left foot and your right foot together, it makes wow. the face off poster. It's pretty that dope. Is, it's a dedicated following of the face off shoes. Um, okay. So you go from uh burn down Italian restaurant to car wash. Yep. Fire to water. Yep. Uh, fire to water. There you go. <laughs> How yeah. was that? Uh, that job was Actually, like there was really, really bad situations and moments, but overall, I made good money at that job yeah. because the harder that you worked at that job, the more tips you made. So if you hustled, you could make a lot of money, mm. even yeah. though it was like a minimum wage, like waiter kind of scenario yeah. for the base pay. But if you hustled, like you'd add up tips. And there was a bunch of characters. Uh, that worked there that I'll never forget, like some of the people who who worked at this job because they were just so you would see some people last a long time and then you'd see other people who would last one day. Right. Because it was a hard job. It wasn't an easy job. So there would be uh uh 
you get like very shady characters sure. working there. So there's, <clears throat> I remember this one guy who, um, I think he was a crackhead, like legit crackhead, because uh, I introduced myself. I'm like, hi, I'm Jeremiah. He goes, hi, I'm Chris. I mean, Derek. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and he lasted one day. I think he needed tip money and to go get more crack. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> like this is the first. I've never had anybody like change their alibi right in front of you with their name. Like, oh, this guy's like a murderer or something. Yes, yeah. Chris is a murderer. Derek is a nice guy. Who yeah. Works at the, like, uh... What's okay? Is this a split personality thing? You just trying to cover your tracks here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, that was that was very weird. There's this one dude who worked there. Who and th- and that that's what made it hard. It's like you either had really good people like that you trust and that you're like friends with for years there, or you worked with really shady people who you couldn't trust at all. You didn't know if they were stealing tips from you because only one person is usually calling the car out to talk to the customer. Yeah, you don't know if they're pocketing money, right. like and then be like, "Hey, man, we got stiff." That's what you'd always say if you, if you didn't get. A tip, like yeah. after you worked on something, car, ah, we got stiff, man. Or we'd have this system called like it was like the one up, one down system. If it was only a dollar tip, someone'd be like, "I'm one up on you." So the next time we do a car, like if we get three dollars, you get two, I get one, kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So there's this one dude who this is like one of the shady characters who is a good example of like the kind of people who work there. There was this guy who. <laughs> would openly admit to stealing the change out of people's cars. <laughs> so, like, if there was any change yeah. in the console of the car, yeah. he would take a scoop. <laughs> like, every car. To the point where this guy was legit crazy, and he had a jug of stolen money from cars, <laughs> and he's like, "This is my vacation money." <laughs> he's like, "I'm a, I'm gonna buy a trip with this stolen change." Like, it's just there for everyone to see. I'm, I, yeah, I'm openly admitting. And then, like, every once in a while, a customer would be like, "Hey, did some change missing?" He's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> So you'd have some really honest people who work there and then some other people who, yeah. Yeah, there's there's something about those like early jobs where, yeah, it's like a basically a minimum wage job, but you're working with like older people. Oh, these were older people yeah. for sure. Exactly. These were guys who like, you know, they were probably probably close to pushing 30. Like, but, yeah. for, but for that, that's a huge age gap for somebody who mostly is working with other high schoolers or college students. Exactly. So whenever you're pushing 30 or you're around there, like that's like the old guy. Right. Like if I went and got a job at that car wash now, I would be the old guy for sure. Oh, absolutely. They, yeah. they almost exclusively hire those high school kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you just wonder like, what are the situations of all these, like, you know, where are you at life? If you're 30 at a car wash, not that there's anything wrong with that, if that's just what you like doing or whatever. But yeah, you, I'm sure you end up with all sorts of interesting characters that are just like all over the map about like, what's your what's your backstory here? Yeah. How did you end up here? Yeah. Like, that would be a question I would ask a lot of, to myself. <laughs> we we would uh, we'd get caught all the time for stealing taquitos out of the... Uh... <laughs> Because there's a there's a gas station connected to this car wash. Sure. And we'd have different managers come in where, like, that was, like, part of the livelihood of, of working there. It's, like, the free fountain drinks and if you could cop a, a taquito. 
<laughs> to the point where a manager who came in who is wanting to change things around every day, he put a lock on the taquito glass that a manager <laughs> had to open up after a while because so many were they were like we were going through boxes of taquitos <laughs> like they would go back and check and be like hey can you change out taquitos and you know one of the cash registers would be like we're out and he's like what do you mean we're out that we have three more months of oh, taquitos <laughs> and we're all like ooh <laughs> meanwhile all of us had just eaten like three taquitos each <laughs> oh god I just love again I, I that's like a me- like a conversation I'd love to. If somebody was really angry about taquitos, you know, like and they were shouting at somebody the same way the, oh, the Italian guy. Oh yeah. Again, that's another. That's why my early jobs, like grocery stores and movie theaters, I had similar experiences to that, where people would be like angry with me, and I just couldn't take it seriously. Oh no. Which I mean, just made me a shitty employee and a dickhead to work with, probably. Yeah. But I just was like aware of how little this matters. You know? Oh, dude. <laughs> and some of the stuff that we would find in people's cars is unbelievable. Yeah. Like what I remember seeing a live mouse once in somebody's car, uh, a used tampon that was just like exposed in the back seat, like just people's underwear, like all like the, the gross stuff that people just leave in their car yeah. is unbelievable. And like that was that was like one of the hardest parts of the job was uh whenever you'd be on like uh on uh vacuum duty, yeah, going to vax, uh <laughs> you would not make any tips because people tip at the end. They don't tip at the beginning right. of when they drop off the car. So you just be down there for hours just vacuuming <laughs> and and just just sweating profusely and mad that you're on this duty because you're not making tips. Yeah. And you just meet the weirdest people. Like, I remember this one chick would uh, come in. I think she was on Molly or something. Now, looking back on it, now that I like know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> she would come in and she would make out with employees. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally. In lieu of a tip, I would. Dude, exactly. <laughs> like, literally, is like, hey, uh, I'm going to drop off my car. It's like. Okay, and the guy's like, "Yeah, yeah," and she's like, "Thanks." And then she just start making out with the guy. Meanwhile, I'm like, "What is going on right now? Is this is this gonna be the tip? Because I didn't get any of that. I still want a tip at the end of this." And yeah, it's just. Did she ever choose you? No, 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 no. Did you want her to? Of course I did. I was just like, I was like a, you know, a blossoming Jeremiah. I'm like, why do I never get chosen? I'm always, I I never was on the driver's side when she came in. I was always on the passenger side. So I'd be like, just watching like, uh, okay. (laughs) So this was like full service uh, car wash. Yeah. We did details. We did waxing. Yeah. So sometimes you spend like an hour or so detailing a car. And if somebody didn't tip you, then you, I would just like go crazy. Like I, you know, I sometimes have a, uh, uh, a temper after a while. Like, like I'm usually very nice and, and kind to of people, but after a while it builds up and I kind of get explosive Yeah, and that would happen like at the car wash. Like I'd be like happy all the time like things are going good and it's like oh that person didn't tip okay not a problem and then it's like oh another person did okay oh five six people seven oh i just worked an hour and a half on this car and i didn't get tipped are you 
kidding me? Like kicking over barrels of towels <laughs> and stuff like that and like chucking armor all the places. And then my manager would be like, like, I, I remember one time somebody like didn't tip me and I'm like, they're driving away. I'm like, come on. <laughs> and there's still other customers on the lot and stuff. And my manager's like, Jeremiah, get over here. You let me talk. You can't act like that. You can't, you can't let things get to you. Like openly in front of people, there's gonna be people who aren't gonna tip you. You'll get the next one. Don't act like that. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just let the no tipping get the best of me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just turn into a pro wrestler for a Pretty second much. there. Just throwing stuff. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting other customers with fold out chairs. Yeah. Like, where do you get a fold out chair from? <laughs> so during all these jobs and then you know the upcoming one, did you want a job like when your uncle got you that job? Were you like, yes, or was it like, God damn it? Well, yeah, no, I, I wanted to make money because yeah. I wanted to I knew pretty early on uh that I wasn't gonna be in Kansas forever. Like yeah. I wanted to start saving for stuff and oh I wanted to you know I wanted to save for like uh, a car and stuff like that. Like the the car that sure. I had gotten like um it was like you know an eight hundred dollar car that my dad had like helped me buy that I like gave him some money and then he put in a little bit of money and it was this car that uh, that we called uh, the Crackura um, because it was like this black, like 1989 or 90 Acura that the, the previous owner had cataracts mm. and he, he ran it up on a sidewalk. So it drove <laughs> like this, like <laughs> it drove slanted. So anytime I went over a speed bump, it would just go <laughs> and just bottom out. So I bottomed out whenever I would turn too sharply all the time. Which I don't think it was street legal looking back on it. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, like if it went through a safety <laughs> inspection, it probably like wouldn't have passed yeah. at all. And it didn't have air conditioning either. Mm. So I remember on for <laughs> whenever I graduated senior high school, I asked my dad, I was like, Is it is there any way I could get a ride to graduation? I don't want to sweat through my dress shirt. <laughs> 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 everywhere I drove, I had to have a change of a shirt like hanging up because I would sweat through in the summer because it gets so hot and the humidity is so yeah. bad in Kansas yeah. that I was like, could this be part of my graduation? Like that we go like together and we have AC on the way. My dad's like, yeah, that's not a big ass. <laughs> like he's like, why are you asking me? Like you're some indentured servant. I'm like, well, I haven't had AC in like a couple of years in my car, so I just don't want to, you know, be sweaty for my senior graduation. <laughs> yeah. And then ironically, the car that my dad, my dad has sold a lot of cars over over the years. Yeah. He's like, uh, he's sold everything, but the car that my dad took us in was one of the cars that he was about to sell. Okay. And ironically, so it has AC on the way there. I'm like, oh, this is great. AC on the way to my senior high school graduation. Man, I'm really starting to make it. Ironically, on the way back, that car breaks down on the side oh, of the highway <laughs> right after I graduate high school <laughs> to the point where my uncle and aunt had to like give us a ride uh, somewhere. The uncle who got me uh, the job at the... Uh, at the golf course, yeah. I rode with him uh, like after that, and we 
got out of there. What a beautiful metaphor for life after high school. Yep. <laughs> like, you're still just like, I'm on top of the world. <laughs> and then, yeah. just like, it's like, oh, Jeremiah, your life is going to face a lot of challenges. <laughs> like, oh, you're wanting to move away from Kansas? Okay, well, here's your first wrench that's thrown that plan. Yeah. So uh, how long did you stay in Kansas after high school? Uh, just two years. I got my two-year associate's degree. And, uh, yeah, I bounced pretty quickly after that. I graduated in like May or June and I was, uh, in California by July. Okay. Yeah. What, uh, what jobs were you doing before you left? Uh, so I stayed at that car wash and, uh, I actually was working, uh, in morning radio while I was working at the car wash. Okay. So, those two years in college were still some of the busiest years of my life because I was doing 18 credit hours each semester, which yeah. is a lot if you've been in college. A lot of people take like between 13 and 15, but I wanted to get the degree done in two years. Right. And you have to like really load up to yeah. finish a degree <clears throat> in the amount of time. So I got my arts degree. Hello. I use it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Uh it literally did nothing for me on my Starbucks <laughs> like uh, resume like that I turned in for that job. They're yeah. like, oh, cool. All right, so uh, you're going to make the same exact pay as uh, anybody who uh, you know dropped out or anything. I'm like, okay, great. Awesome, Perfect. awesome. Great. Uh, but I was working in uh, morning radio, and that job was... That job was dope, actually, because I got free tickets to concerts yeah. and stuff, and I was the only... I was super young, too. I was 19 at the time, working in morning radio in Kansas City, screening calls for, uh, like, the alt-rock radio station, 96.5 The Buzz. And, you know, they're playing, like, Muse and Modest Mouse and, like, all that kind of music. And I would basically, every morning I would go in at, like, 5.45 in the morning, be out of there by 10.15, go home, uh, or go straight go straight to the car wash around 11 a.m., work until 3.30, 4 o'clock, go home, eat. My mom would have a dinner ready for me. I'd take an hour nap, and then I would go to college at night. Wow. Yeah. Hot so, damn. Yeah. So from 5.45 in the morning to 10 to 11 p.m. at night, I was doing that most days of the week. What for was, two years. For two years, and, yeah. then you, and then you moved out here. Yeah. What was the... I mean, what's morning... What is morning radio like I mean, as far as working there? Like, are, are the DJs just totally jacked up? And, you know, was it a lot of, like, morning zoo antics and all that kind of stuff? Or? Kind of. I would do man-on-the-street <laughs> stuff, and then they'd do different bits with me. They did... Oh, so you got on, on mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Oh dude. oh, dude. Especially at 19, like, yeah. I, had, I had a radio name. I was Stedman. Stedman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because the... the, the I actually got the job with a music video that I made. Oh, word. Yeah. Like uh, this old music video called A Love Ballad for Oprah, where I lit, made a music video about how I was in love with Oprah. Yeah. So the host of the show loved it. He thought it was really funny. And he was like, well, you have this love for Oprah. We're just going to call you Stedman on the show. Because Stedman is Oprah Winfrey's like significant other. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I was Stedman on that show. 
And it, I mean, that's, I mean, it was great. Like I had, they, they did a lot of bits with me about being a virgin on the show because they thought that that was so fascinating. (laughs) 19 year old guy in morning radio virgin. And I, I, I said that, uh, you know, at the time I was like, uh, I was trying to wait until marriage to have sex. And he's like, well, when do you, when do you want to get married? I was like, ah, you know, closer to 30. He goes, you're going to wait another 10 years. And that was the first time I really started thinking about, like, <laughs> am I really committed to this uh, no sex before marriage kind of thing? Because yeah. I, I grew up in a you know very conservative household until like my teens. Mm. And, uh, and that's whenever the first time I started thinking like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'm going to reach that finish line of no sex before marriage. And uh, I ended up, the, the the woman that I married, she's actually who I lost my virginity to. Oh. So it worked out, but we had sex before, before. marriage. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, how much longer did you last after that realization? Uh, another three and a half years. Oh, wow. That's pretty okay. good. Yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lost my virginity at 22. Nice. Yeah. I was 19. There you go. So, you know. Couple fellow late bloomers out there. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm curious. Did that, did it eventually just become, like, how, how soon after that realization did you meet your uh, potential, or what? who ended up being your wife? So, we met at the Second City whenever I was doing improv uh, out here. Like, yeah. I signed up for improv immediately, which was, like, the best thing I could have done whenever I moved to L.A., just to get to know people. Sure. Because it is kind of hard to meet friends in L.A. if you're not connected to something. Right. And I just went all in and uh, started taking classes and seeing shows at Second City, and I was friends with my wife for a year or two before we started dating. Nice. She had a boyfriend at the time, and I was just like, ah, that'll, that'll end eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I'll swoop in after that. And that's what you did? Organically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about waiting until marriage that you were drawn to, I guess? Was it just the religious aspect? I, yeah, I think that that was just something that was so, like, harshed upon. Yeah. You know? Like, whenever... Great. Whenever... Uh, I was a kid, you know, and like in church and stuff like that was like, that was a big thing. If you didn't wait till marriage, you might go to hell. It was very, the church that I grew up going to was very, very fire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I have a lot of memories as a kid being like terrified, like of if I do this, then I might burn forever. You know what I mean? Which yeah, is pretty high intense. Stakes. Yeah, high stakes. It was pretty intense for I mean anybody, but for a little kid, that's right. like that's a lot. Yeah, if you're sitting there like I am I going to go to hell if I eat this candy bar or yeah. you know, whatever it is. Well, so yeah, so the stakes are really high. So yeah. I was I was a pretty model kid growing yeah. up. Like had a very beaver cleaver kind of upbringing until like teens and then like family started like Kind of doing their own thing and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, what happened? Were they all they're just like, eh, I'm over it. There's just some stuff that happened that led to, uh, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 17. Okay, and around that time, like everything like like mm. kind of changed, and right? Like went 180. So 
it was just kind of bizarre. You know, yeah. everything that we had learned growing up had kind of just out the window. Right, because were you taught like divorce is bad and all oh, this of course. kind of stuff? Yeah, all I would stuff. assume. Yeah, like I, dude, I remember like being a kid, and I'm like, how does that even happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand how. You know, if 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 you get married to a person, then you're with them forever. That's just how things work. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then what happened? Like, what kind of bad people are that? You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's kind of the judgmental energy that kind of gets taught to you whenever it's that high of stakes whenever you're being taught that as a kid. So sure. you start seeing things very black and white. So right. after that, like I, I mean, I've transformed so much as a person over the years because I, I've, I feel like I've kind of lived on really both sides of seeing the really good parts of religion yeah. and the bad parts. So it's, right. it's been, yeah, very, uh, a lot of lessons learned. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I grew up, Catholic and going to mass every Sunday and mm -hmm. went to Catholic mm -hmm. high school. I was public K through eight. <clears throat> and other than the guilt thing, which is there, I would say. Oh yeah. Uh, but like I realized as an adult and talking with others, like we went to a very liberal Catholic church and I had no idea, you know, like our yeah. music conduct or music, whoever, uh, he was gay and no one even really thought about, you know, like it was such a weird and like our school didn't really, we had mass once a month, but, they didn't really push it that hard. Yeah. So I got this weird sort of in-between where I just sort of figured out on my own, probably around the same time you did, but with less dramatic <coughs> um, causes. And I was just like, yeah, this, this doesn't really add up. You know, I just had all these questions, and then, like, the theology teachers would be like, well, it's that's just the way it is. Yeah. What? Like, yeah. I, where I'm at with it, now is like I like I still pray every day. I'm still I'd say I'm like a, a very uh, spiritual person, mm -hmm. but I don't like I don't go to church right. anymore. Yeah. So I, I I find like in my opinion, what I've found it's way more important to be a good person, yes, and be like kind to others mm -hmm. than like be like you have to believe this this and this, otherwise you aren't permitted into heaven. I I find that pretty hard to believe, right? That you know. If there is a God, which I I do think there is, yeah, me too. If if there is, then he'd be like, no, you didn't you didn't believe in this <laughs> right specific part of the Bible or whatever. Right. You're not allowed into heaven for eternity. Right. It's like I find that pretty hard to believe. <laughs> As do I. I uh, going off the uh, the bad jobs thing. So yeah, whenever yeah. I, I was in in California, uh, I started working at Starbucks, like I had said, and. I just remember this one, like, maybe it's maybe one of the dumbest things I've maybe ever seen a manager, like in a in a like a higher power position, do. Yeah. At at a job, so <laughs> I'm just laughing, thinking about how stupid this is. <laughs> so we'd have homeless people come in to sure. Starbucks, and they would use a bathroom, and sometimes they'd trash it. Right. And. One time, there's a homeless guy who took a giant dump in the alley. Okay. And the Starbucks, this is a Starbucks in Beverly Hills. Okay. That changes things. We have celebrities coming in. Yeah. We have suits coming in, like agents, managers, all this stuff in this area. Very wealthy people, very people, very much people who are successful at what they do. Right. So they're really trying to keep a certain image <laughs> at this Starbucks, okay? They're trying to keep it really nice really high up there. 
So there's a homeless guy who took a big dump in the alley, and the way that the Starbucks is set up is this little shop on uh, La Cienega, and then right next to it is the alleyway. So you pull in, basically, on this side to Valet. The Starbucks is in the middle, and then you pull on around through the alley to exit. So you have to go through that exit mm, yeah. of the alley. You through have to go alley? through it. Yeah. yeah. And he pooped in this alley. <laughs> like, a lot of poop. So uh, what I think would be the right move would, you know, be to get gloves yeah. and probably a, some paper towels and stuff and get some disinfectant after that, okay? Sure. This manager goes, <laughs> he goes, I'm going to need a, uh, he looks at it and he goes, I'm going to need a uh, pitcher of hot water. <laughs> and we're like, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta disinfect this thing, dude. He takes a giant pitcher of hot water and starts pouring it over the turd, and it becomes a crap creek. (laughs) There is poop water running everywhere through this alley. Makes it literally a bajillion times worse yeah. than it would have ever been if somebody would have just like gotten a ton of paper towels or even a garbage bag to yeah. scoop it up yeah. and just throw it in the like dumpster. Clean up dog poop or something. No, exactly. You know? This guy keeps pouring hot water over it. It gets literally all over the speed bumps. People are driving through it. <laughs> Their tires. <laughs> Poop is all over people's tires. And I'm just laughing because I don't like this job. So, like, I don't care about the company at all. Right. So, I'm just watching this manager make this giant mistake. And I'm just like reaping all the benefits because I'm looking around. I'm like, is everybody else seeing this? This is the most ridiculous thing ever. Why would you put hot water on a turd and be like, yeah, this is the right solution to this problem? What did it, what, how did he react when he realized he totally fucked he up? He saw through it. He never, he never, he never thought that it was a bad idea. I love he's, it. he's like, this is it. Yep. This is, I'm making a great decision here. <laughs> he just kept on like refilling pit, pitchers of hot water and pouring it on the, the turd as it like goes through. Ugh, it was so gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there's something I'm curious. Like you said, you didn't really give a shit about the company. I'm always, and I think, and you were saying like at the uh, car wash, you'd kind of have fits of rage. I'm that way. I used to be that way up until recently with uh, with people who worked at jobs that I know they don't care about. Like they're making minimum, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like if an order isn't made correctly or something like that. And I've gotten a lot better at it, because, especially with like airlines and stuff. Like that's the worst. But I'm wondering... You know, did you have a lot of people who, you know, would be like, oh, where's the manager? I'm going to report you or anything like that. Oh, or... dude, all the time I'd have people because I wasn't good at my job, you know? <laughs> sure. I was, but I was very friendly and I was really nice to all the customers. And yeah. that was, and I, all the, the coworkers that I worked with, I made them laugh all the time. Okay. And <clears throat> the girls who I worked with were like saints and they literally told me, they're like, Jeremiah, as long as you keep making us laugh, it doesn't matter how slow you are. Because, like, I was the people who are good at those Starbucks jobs, they're quick and efficient. Yes. They get the order, they make the drinks really fast. I was never good at making the drinks fast. So yeah. I would just start literally sweating while people were looking over the glass 
like watching me work. <laughs> like worse than dude, I don't I don't get stage fright. Like yeah. I've performed all my life in front of a lot of people yeah. in different scenarios. But that to me, having rich people look at you, see if the you're gonna make a mistake on their drink was so much more pressure to me. Sure. Than doing live performance. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. So they would put me on register because I was nice and friendly. Yeah. And I would just talk to people and I would rarely mess up orders because there's way less mistakes to make, like with buttons, you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Than ingredients. And, yeah. yeah. But they definitely thought, you know, I think some people definitely thought that I was slow or something, <laughs> like mentally slow. <laughs> yeah. But they would get mad at me that, that, and I'd just be like, all right, um, do you, do you want your drink for free? And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'll just give it to you for free because you're mad. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. And it would diffuse the situation immediately. Of course. And it worked, even though I probably wasn't allowed to be given away as many drinks. I was sure. like, here's a free drink coupon. Yeah. My bad. And they're like, it completely changed their <laughs> attitude. I'm like, to me, like it was never worth somebody yelling at me. I'm just like, like, here's the thing. I need to talk to you. I'm like, free drink. And they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just like right away. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's all they, they just want validation for their troubles, I yeah. guess. Wow. That's funny. I did this. Uh, I had this character that I would do for the girls that I worked with of, um, of this, uh, of this hot girl who, uh, who would, uh, accidentally keep, uh, pooping her pants like, uh, uncontrollably. <laughs> And uh, she'd do like and end up going to the floor and doing the splits and rolling around and stuff like that. And this is like on the floor at Starbucks, like while we were working. And the manager would catch me doing it occasionally, and okay. she'd be like, "Get in my office immediately!" <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, "I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to make this." Like, there's customers out there, and I'd just like be like like a little like whipped like puppy dog, and then they'd be like, "Just." Just ease up, all right. <laughs> just don't do that again. And then I do it again later, and you know, that's what I, I worked at a Kroger grocery store, and uh, I started off as a bagger. And uh, then when I was fifteen, I got promoted to cashier. Which, in hindsight, it's just funny that they trust fifteen-year-olds with like hundreds and hundreds of dollars in cash. There was a girl that I would make laugh by. You know, each register had. Uh, the intercom that the whole store would hear. So I'd get on there and just make noises. Mm -hmm. I'd just be like, and then hang up. Or you're like, got him. (laughs) Yeah. And then the girl would laugh. Yeah. It was not my best material, I suppose. (laughs) But then the girl would. It was before the writing came. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It was just a guttural sound. Same with my pooping pants girl for no reason. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, dude, I'm workshopping these characters. (laughs) Can I showcase anywhere with this? No, perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No future here, but she's yeah. laughing. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, the manager hated it, and I would I would have similar conversations, you know, where it's like you just you can't you can't <laughs> you can't make random noises into the intercom. Yeah, the elderly people look confused. They don't know what's happening. Uh, she, this one guy did actually. So a manager was just like, "There is a man who comes here every week who hears voices in his head." So when you do that, oh wow! And I was like, oh, like, that was what I actually did get kind of serious. Like, oh, like, oh a serious I still issue. Kind of found it funny because I was fifteen. I was like, he thinks I'm the voice in his head. Yeah, well, I, I, guess I, I wish you would have uh, found out what his name was. Yeah, it's like, hey, Greg, gonna get that almond milk today? <laughs> yeah. 
Bye. Put down the chili. And Greg. just be like, nobody else can hear this, Greg. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. I think that <laughs> I think that you should get some beef jerky on your way out, Greg. Alright. You'll be good. Treat yourself to a Hey, dip, dip the cashier. Yeah. It's not Joe. traditional, but it'll make his day. Yeah, Joe's having a rough time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd throw football. Me and a friend who also worked there, we'd throw footballs back and forth between the counters and everything. It was terrible employees. I gave them my two week notice, but then I didn't show up for the two weeks. I was still scheduled to work. Oh, nice. So. I would do. Uh, we would have dance battles at the car wash. Oh, oh yeah, it yeah. was awesome. You like put down a little cardboard box? No, no. the the uh, The pavement was slick enough with the water oh, right, where right. you know we all had, like work boots and stuff, yeah, so we yeah. could all like. It was slick enough, but also grippy enough where we could do kind of whatever we wanted. And, uh, yeah, good times. <laughs> a lot of a lot of singing boy band songs and stuff like that. And, yeah, just really just, like, I look back at, at uh, all my favorite, anytime, like, that it was, like, good times at work yeah. is basically what we as comedians do in circles outside of comedy clubs or comedy shows now, just, like, riffing. Right. Like it was like what before I knew what like what riffing was, like with other comedians. Yeah. Like just like hanging out and like joking about stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's those were all the like the really good times at like those jobs. This is like joking and like just expanding on a topic like, oh well what if this happened? You know, right, I mean? right. like all yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I had the exact same yeah, most of my good memories are in that same vein. Um so when you got out here you were so how, while you were working all these uh, jobs growing up, you were also performing. Or did I you do, like theater, or what was yeah, your yeah. So, into well, comedy at that point? I was doing a ton of uh, filmmaking and sketches and music videos. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I, was this pre YouTube or right around when YouTube kind of popped? So uh, to timestamp it, it would have been. It would have been right around uh, where right before the Lonely Island got on SNL. Okay. Uh, because they got on SNL, I think, 2005. Yeah, I think so. So I was familiar with the Lonely Island before they they got on SNL, just like a little bit. I'd like seen some stuff here and there, and uh, YouTube wasn't huge yet. Yeah, it was just starting to become like a thing. Yeah, I remember because I, I remember that too. Like cause the idea of posting things myself didn't even—I wasn't forward-thinking enough to even like. Be right, posting. which I've had a YouTube channel now since. I think I've had a YouTube channel since like 2006, I think, yeah. or 2007. I was seven, yeah. Some somewhere around there, um, but. <clears throat> basically the sketches and music videos like there was like uh i remember e-bombs world was way more popular at the time than youtube yep like here is the world and Mm -hmm. like uh like all those old home star runner yeah just all like uh the numa numa guy Mm. like all that stuff yeah yeah uh so i was making sketches and music videos um in the broadcast program at my high school which really hadn't been done too much. It was a lot of just news stories and like silly segments. Right. And I just really kept pushing. I'm like, no, no, I really think we should be doing like more like 
shorts and and like and sketches and music videos. Yeah, like there was only once a year they they would allow like it was like a project to show music videos. But I was like, no, no, we should be doing that stuff like like the whole year. Yeah. Uh, so me and and a close group of friends. That's like what we did all the time, and that was some that was some of the motivation for me working was actually me buying like camera equipment and stuff like that, and and you know money for props or costumes or whatever for the different projects that we were working on and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, me too. So that was, I mean, that was my in as far as like right before I moved to. LA. I was making, I was doing all that YouTube stuff and making a ton of shorts and sketches uh, with buddies leading up to that, even in college. Uh, and then I kept doing that for years. Uh, and I mean, I still do it, but it's one of those things where I, there was years where that was like, I was making, Second City had this cool thing whenever I started where it's called Seven Day Shorts. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the best exercises I've had to do creatively, uh, like the um, outside of you know now on Kill Tony we do a new character or, or a different character every single week, yeah. and that's a big feat sometimes. Yeah. Like coming up with a new character and trying to get you know a clear point of view on the character. That's always the right. hardest part. Making like a fully formed, making it a fully formed yeah. and not like a two di- dimensional thing where it's like I'm just dressed up as this thing with a funny accent. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this seven day shorts thing, you would be given a suggestion of a word, like at an improv show, and you had to make a two minute or less short based on that word in under seven days. And they would screen the shorts every, I think, Saturday night at Second City, like of all the people who did it. And uh, it'd be like a showcase. Wow. So you'd like be showing your stuff in front of, you know, like at, at other people who are like Chicago alumni or whatever, or and then sometimes they would participate, and it was a great way of just like showing other people like that you're kind of serious, right? About yeah, yeah. doing this, right? And I did that for a long time and created like a bunch of sketches and music videos for that, and that was like that was great. Wow, when did you start doing stand up? I was doing stand up, uh, I as soon as I turned 21, okay. um, because I was I found out like way after I was 21 that you could technically do stand-up before that, but I knew that some of the bars and some of the establishments right. and stuff, like, you have to be 21 to yeah. be inside. So I was like, I'm just going to... It's just going to be easiest if I just, you know. Yeah. So I was one of those New Year's resolution people where I'm like, I'm going to start stand-up this year. And I started in January of 2010. You've come... a Long way in eight years. That's really impressive. Yeah, I hit my 10 <laughs> years in L.A. Uh, in July of 2019 because I, uh, I moved out to L.A. in July 2010. Yeah, it was September 2010. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. In some, <clears throat> does it feel like it's been 10 years? Sometimes it does, and then other times it's like, how? how? I know. How has I know. it already been almost 10 years? I know. But then other times I, you know, I recall the grind of like, you know, becoming a paid regular at the comedy store and some different things that were really hard to kind of accomplish over the time being here. I'm like, oh, it's been it's been 10 years. Right. Yeah. And and then those moments definitely feels like 10 years. Yeah. Because, you know, the amount of hours just put into for stand up, just like either waiting to go up 
I mean, that's so much of the job that people don't even, you know, realize that that's such a huge part of it. It's like right. people just think that you just go up and then you're just done. But it's like the lead up to the sets is like that's where the patience and the training comes in. Getting well, bumped all the time and all oh, that. I can only. Really, I mean, yeah, especially early on. I mean, I assume you're just going to open mic nights and stuff, and you know, you got to like sign up three or four hours before the show yeah. and then just sit around and wait. Make a night of it. There's no even guarantee that you get there early enough that you're going to get on stage. Um, I know we're kind of wrapping up, but uh, yeah, what are, I mean, like when you think about the comedy struggle, the stand-up struggle of from where you started to now, like, you know, what are some things that pop into your head, whether it was like early uh, traveling experiences or just rough shows you've done, um, you know, because it is, I mean, it's it's easy to be like, oh, now I'm at the comedy store and I'm, uh, you know, killing it. But uh, I mean, for listeners, it's not like that happens overnight. Yeah, um, try to. Oh, I mean, there's so many bad, like, yeah. oh my goodness. I remember. <laughs> I think I've only told this a couple times. I remember taking my mom to an open mic night because I didn't have any shows whenever she came in. This is very early on in my stand-up career. And it was uh, when Iowa West uh, still existed, um, Improv Olympic out here uh, in Hollywood. And it was in the back, like a little black box theater, and there was probably 20 comedians or whatever, only comedians in the audience, sure. all waiting to go up. Yeah. Uh, very typical of LA open mics. Yeah. And I brought my mom, my sister... A couple neighbors to this freaking open mic. It's so cringy to even like describe yeah. like me like being like, you should come to this. This is a, I'm gonna be great. I hope this is like their first time in LA. They're just like, oh, it's very early yeah, on. Yeah, they yeah. don't know the comedy scene, right. yeah. dude. There was a couple female comics who uh, went up, and it was like abortion material night, <laughs> and. My mom is the most like pro life Kansas woman, you know, and yeah. she was just like she was booing comics at the open mic. <laughs> Dude, there's like 15 people in the room. She is the only real audience member, and she's going boo, <laughs> boo, and I'm just looking at her. I'm like, mom, it's, it's freaking, it's only. Com- there's only comedians in here. They're going to know it's my mom that's booing. I brought my mom. And then I did like, I got up in the material that I decided to showcase with. And of course, like I wanted to film it too. Like, got to film this. I might catch some hot material to throw up on YouTube. I used to throw my sets on YouTube. Hey, if you are, guys, if you are a year or two into comedy, please don't post your sets to YouTube. Just wait. Just, I know you want to show people something. Leave them curious. It's, I used to post my clips and I'm just like, they have since been removed, but I did the, I think the night that, that, uh, that my mom came, I like did Pokemon material or something. That's like, I sang the Pokemon song Mm -hmm. and that was like, that was, it was barely a joke. And I'm just like, this is great, right? (laughs) Man. And then like. I, it was the first time where I've seen like my mom like after she saw the open mic be like after she saw the other comics and really how hard it was like because there wasn't an audience there right where I kind of saw like my mom would never say this but like 
she and my sister looked like the first time, like, this is going to be a hard journey for Jeremiah. Yeah. Like, they, like, got a little bit of an insight. Like, this is not, like, because they've always been super supportive and been like, you know, our son's a star, like, all that stuff. Like, he, he's so talented, all that. But they saw an LA open mic, and I think that it shook them a little bit. Like, they're like, oh, this is, like, this is not an overnight thing. This is, like, going to take years of of doing this like to be seen by anybody wow and i guess it did yeah, <laughs> yeah. It took a lot of years <laughs> and it's it's yeah it's, it's still taking time it's right. an ongoing yeah. thing yeah yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. that's when i get well um yeah i appreciate you you're coming on yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> the best close of bias. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, we just slowly, just, we fade out of the background. Like, just we both just get up and leave. Yeah. We're still rolling, and then slow fade out. You should, you should, you should edit it where we disappear, uh, like in the pictures from Back to the Future. Yeah. Since these are locked off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just add some crosses all and be like, no. <laughs> um, where can people find you online? My website is jeremiahwatkins.tv, and you can follow me on social media at Jeremiah Standup. I post all my shows on there, and then Kill Tony is weekly. Stand Up on the Spot is every second Tuesday of the month at the Comedy Store, and uh, yeah, come see like the Comedy Jam or Roast Battle. A lot of fun shows around town. Certainly sounds like it, yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah. That was the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again to Jeremiah for coming on. Again, you should check out his podcast, Jeremiah Wanders. Not Wanders. I keep saying Wanders. Jeremiah Wanders. <laughs> now it just sounds like I'm saying Wanders. I don't think he wanders. I think he does it mostly in L.A., but he also wonders. It is Jeremiah Wonders. So check that out. A lot of great guests. And uh, again, if you enjoyed the episode, consider giving us that five-star rating on iTunes. Consider it and then do it. Could you do it, please, just for me? It would be greatly appreciated, and it is greatly appreciated. So, again, you can email me at badtimesgoodstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Check out badtimesgoodstoriespod.com for past episodes, merch, and a link to the Patreon page. And that is all. By the way, I know it looks like I'm standing on the sun, but uh, it's actually raining in L.A. and will be all week. So, no sun for me. Boo-hoo. All right, that's all I've got for this week. So until next Wednesday, keep laughing. You know what's funny about this this restaurant? I stopped working there because it burned down. Oh, were you there? No, okay. but I closed the night that it burned down. Oh, so wow. they asked me like, "What happened?" <laughs>